there's a lot of history uh, with polygamists in Utah and even in Arizona where there have been raids where the law enforcement show up, they take the mothers and children and separate them, scatter them throughout different states, different places, and take them into prison. That's something that my father lived through. And my father's father, my grandfather, was also in prison for it for a long time, which uh, Christine was talking about. Her grandfather was put in prison. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. Welcome back everyone, my name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs and I moved out when I was 18 years old. I was raised LDS, Sam and I have been married for nine years and have two awesome kiddos. We do, we do. And we are back today with Fresh Eyes on Sister Wives, season two. two. Reviewing season two. And just so you all know, if you would prefer just listening today, we do have our podcast available and don't forget to subscribe. Yes, we are excited for this season because this felt the most like if we could say what's a good season to react to that gives a lot of comparison of the way that Sam was raised in polygamy and the way that the Browns are raising their family in polygamy, this one felt like that. The newest season is a dumpster fire and the first season, you know, they're really putting their best foot forward and I feel like this is the first season where we're like watching and we're like, oh, this is so fun to see comparisons and Sam's like, I was raised like that or this is how we did this or this is how we did that or even for me. Some of the activities that they did, like ice blocking, like I grew up ice blocking yeah. and I don't know if it is just a Utah thing, but we'll get into that later. Some of those type of activities. So this one was a really fun one to watch and to really be able to reflect and like compare and contrast. Yeah, I, I really, I don't know if thoroughly enjoyed would be the right <laughs> word, but I enjoyed this season a lot more than season 18 that we've been watching along and even season one because it seemed like they finally got into you know, their their day-to-day -day life and what it was like for them. And it seemed like there was actually, though there was jealousy going on, there was actually a lot of good times yeah, Love, it seemed like happiness. a functional family. Yeah, which, you know, is all, always happy to see and fun to see, especially for myself where I was raised in a polygamous family and I got to see a lot of those happy moments as well, very similar to the way they enjoyed and did things. Yeah, so getting into season two, I mean, it starts off at this point, now Robin is more settled, although she is in her own house, and so she talked about the fact that that does make her feel more separate from everything going on, but she's really starting to be able to connect with the kids more and become more a part of the family. Although I can't imagine being in a separate house if all the other wives, like she was like, yeah, I just imagine them over there having fun all the time. And Christine, I think at one point was like, we're not over there having fun all the time. And she's like, yeah, but how am I supposed to know that? If I'm over here, I'm just gonna have FOMO. I'm gonna always assume that they're having these awesome bonding moments as yeah. sister wives without me. You know, and of course, I imagine the other wives are thinking the same thing when Cody's over at Robin's house, right? That's uh, it, you know, the, the bonding and all of that. But the interesting thing here is that I thought it was interesting anyway, was a lot of people have mentioned that it seemed like Robin wanted to have her own house and she wanted to have Cody to herself and, and uh, kind of be her own family with Cody. But this made it sound like she really was jealous of the other wives being able to be together, at least in this very moment. Season two, Robin is not yet a villain. <laughs> so I know it's been a long road for a lot of you who have seen much more of this, but uh -huh. we'll just remind you that in season two, she was not the villain yet. Definitely seemed like she wanted to be a part of everything yeah. and trying to be as cohesive with the other sister wives. 
and we know we know what's to come. So I've been trying to keep my eyes and ears open to you know, some hints at maybe some things that Robin is doing along the way. It's very hard to pick those out in season two and season one, but there have been a few moments where I saw when they were talking, um, Robin said something speaking for Cody, even though Cody was sitting right there, and to one of the other wives and said, no, this is what Cody is actually feeling. And so when I saw that, I thought, oh, okay, this is, this is a turning <laughs> moment. And so anyway, not that the other wives don't speak for Cody sometimes, but it was just one of those little snippets that I saw that I thought, okay, this is kind of the beginning. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, they talked so much about how the goal is to all be under one roof. That's the goal. Cody keeps harping on that, like, that's all I want. That's what needs to happen. That's the only way we can be a cohesive family is to all be under one roof, yeah. be under one roof. Right now, Robin's here, but we're going to fix that. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And then by the end of season two, they're all in separate houses. So we'll get like more into what it was like for them looking for houses in Vegas. How did that happen? But yeah. it is interesting that over the course of that, basically a school year, right? Like over the course of a school year, they go from our goal is to get Robin under the same roof into now, even the wives that were together are all separated. So that was really, really interesting. Took quite the turn for sure. And, yeah. you know, that's just something that I'm, I have a hard time understanding because the way I was raised, we were all under one roof. We were all together. And I know that a lot of other polygamous groups have the separate homes for the different wives and all of that. So that's just something that I can't imagine working out. I can't imagine I would have had a super close relationship with my half siblings as I did had they lived in other homes, even if they were nearby. You know, I would have felt like I was separate in my mother's home, and this was this family, and then the other family was this family. You know, even though we were siblings, I feel like it would have felt like separate families. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. So we'll see how that pans out in season three for them. But yeah. I did want to point out that as they were filling out, their kids are now going to public school. Mm -hmm. And it did seem like it was because of Robin's kids going to public school because they had before gone to a private, um, an AUB school. And Mariah's still going there. But Janelle said, like, they were all talking about, oh, now we're free, and now I can say that, you know, these other emergency contacts are sister wives or other wives or, or sorry, other moms, other moms. Mm -hmm. And Janelle was like, I've always put that they're aunts, and I'm going to keep it as aunts. And Sam had an interesting perspective on that. I thought that was very interesting because aunt and then followed with their first name was what we used to call our other mothers. So let's say it was Mother Mary. Uh, years ago, we would refer to her as Aunt Mary. When did that change? And then, well, let's think here. It would have been when I was very young. So uh, probably about the time Warren Jeffs took over. So maybe it was a Warren Jeffs thing. I don't remember exactly why or when it was said that we needed to change it. Or maybe it was just my own father decided that that was the way it should be. But when I was a very young boy, it changed from Aunt and then their first name to Mother and then their first name. Yeah. That's from all the other people I think that have left as well. I think they also called mother. I can't remember a single person that we've talked to or interviewed mm -hmm. that have said aunt. So it definitely changed within your generation. It did. And I think it was always in a way of hiding. You know, when you're out in public, they don't want the kids to be referring to this other lady as mother so-and-so and then mother so-and-so and mother so-and-so if they are trying to keep secret that they're polygamous. Right? So if you refer to them as aunt, then, I, oh, okay, well, there's multiple ants here. Maybe this is a family vacation. 
And yeah, and then they're all, you know, sisters, just not the wife's part. <laughs> yeah, so, and that, that was interesting as well, which we'll get into the, the secrecy behind their life and then deciding to go public. Yeah, well, and I was just going to say, we can go into it now. The, it's very interesting that they talk about, like, that the law was coming after them, the mm -hmm. Lehigh police, and they were starting an investigation. And things have changed, I believe, since then, as far as now it's no longer a felony to practice polygamy in Utah. But it is interesting to see how people go about it because there's over 30,000 polygamists in the state of Utah. So it's a very large group. And so anytime there's any law that's coming after polygamous communities in Utah, it's a really, it's a tough situation because normally they're trying to avoid secondary laws being broken, right? So in the case of the FLDS, which Robin was throwing the FLDS under the bus. She's like, just because we're polygamous doesn't mean we have child brides or child abuse or tax evasion or food stamp fraud, uh -huh. like all this stuff. And I was like, oh man, she's totally, you know, kind of throwing some shade there. The, the FLDS is thrown under the bus a lot. Well, sometimes uh, they deserve it when they do those well, things. <laughs> I'm saying. not saying they don't. I'm not saying they don't. But it seems that way because even, you know, the mainstream uh, LDS church, you know, someone will say, oh, you're the polygamist. Oh, no, 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 we're not, no. we're not the crazy FLDS. That's <laughs> completely different. So it seems like that's a lot of people refer to the, you know, the, the bad things that are happening. That's all with the FLDS. We're different. That's kind of the mindset. Yes. And yeah. unfortunately, that's not true that they're not the only ones who have problems, but right. it, they definitely, yeah, everyone kind of likes to be like, no, they're the crazy cousins over there and we just kind of ignore them and don't invite them to Christmas. But <laughs> Um, Only because the FLDS don't want to go to Christmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's their choice. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was saying that about that, like, that's kind of what the law is there for, is to be able to protect from these secondary, from child brides, from, you know, child abuse, from these different things that happen in certain polygamous, polygamous communities like the FLDS. Mm -hmm. So... In the case of the Browns, if there's no other signs of any other laws being broken, them actually getting prosecuted for polygamy, that was going to be a tough one. But if they wanted to try to use them as an example for the rest of polygamists, like, hey, you can't be this free and open about committing a felony, then they could have gone that way. So, I mean, obviously we don't know the minds behind the law enforcement that were coming against the Browns in any way, but it did cause a lot of worry and concern for them because they had Christine, her grandpa, had gone to jail for polygamy. There's a lot of history uh, with polygamists in Utah and even in Arizona where there have been raids where the law enforcement show up, they take the mothers and children and separate them, scatter them throughout different states, different places, and take them into prison. That's something that my father lived through. And my father's father, my grandfather, was also in prison for it for a long time, which uh, Christine was talking about. Her grandfather was put in prison. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. She did mention that the wives were put in prison as well, which that was something that I've never heard of. I don't know if, if she actually meant that or she was just saying that everyone, I don't know exactly what she meant by that, but I've never heard of at least seen the in my, mothers. yeah, the mothers being in prison as well. It was always the men were taken to prison and the women and children were separated. In, in my experience and what I've seen and heard other people talk about. Isn't that, when your grandfather was put into prison, he was in prison for years. We have his journals mm -hmm. from when he was in prison, writing down, writing down his life story. Yeah. And basically the guards, the the law enforcement came to him and they were like, listen, you're a good guy. We don't want you in here anymore. All we need you to do is to say, 
I'm not going to practice polygamy anymore. And we'll let you go at this like, point. No. And he said, I cannot deny what I he, know to be truth. firmly believed it. And he would rather stay in prison for his whole life if it had to be that way before saying that he didn't believe in it. Yeah, which you've got to give like a certain amount of respect and admiration for somebody living their faith so strongly. Like having yeah. that kind of faith in your religious beliefs and being like, no, this is what I believe God wants me to do and I'm going to choose my beliefs and what God's telling me more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my grandfather was a highly respected, one of the leaders of the FLDS church in its early days. So, you know, he was definitely very strong in his beliefs, right? Yeah. And he also needed to be, in his mind, he would need to be that example for the other members of the church. Yeah. That, hey, we're going to stand up for what we believe. But didn't his so, wives get scattered as well? And he had to collect them? So Is that your grandfather or was that different? So, no, that was during my grandfather's time, yes. And if I remember correctly, yes, the wives were scattered. But not just his. I mean, there was almost the entire community was scattered. And then the, the prophet at the time, Leroy Johnson, he went and gathered up the community once again after, after they were released from prison. So, and continued on. Uh, probably a little bit more secretive for a while, but... There's always been this history of polygamists being persecuted because they weren't following the rules, the laws, and all these different things, which, you know, that kind of goes without saying that there would be some problems if it's illegal, right? Yeah. So that's why the Brown family was so concerned that maybe something could happen to them as well and that uh, maybe Cody would be also impersonated for his belief and coming out so strongly and speaking so openly about his belief. Yeah, it is interesting too. I was asking Sam, like I paused and was like, hey, did you feel like you had to keep it a secret? Because Christine was talking about the fact that she couldn't say who her father was. Everything was super secretive. They mm -hmm. live in northern Utah and obviously the AUB and the Brown family, you know, they're dressing like other people. They are really trying to blend in with the community where, when, where Sam grew up, they were not trying to, I mean, they wear prairie dresses. They're very, they stick out like a sore thumb when they're in the rest of society. And so what did that feel like secretive wise? Because you had to, did you feel like you had to keep it a secret or did you feel like? So it was very different because we were like the Brown family, for example, and a lot of other polygamous families and the AUB and the Kingston groups and all of that. They live amongst other people. They have neighbors that are non-polygamist and they have, you know, all of these people around them all the time, even in their work and that. So it was very different for us because we were separated. We were in our own little community, hidden away from the rest of the world. So when we were in our community, we didn't have any secrets, right? I mean, well, <laughs> that sounded... <laughs> I didn't have any secrets. <laughs> The leaders of the church, especially Warren, had lots of secrets. But from the outside world, in that community, we talked about polygamy openly because there was no one to hide polygamy from in the community. But, you know, it was when someone from the outside world came in that we would be, whoa, and, you know, kind of high afraid alert. and high alert and scared and all of that was when some outsider would come into the community. But it was very different. I don't know what it would have been like. I imagine it would have been... A lot of keeping secrets in that if I had gone to school with, you know, the outside world and, and regular families. So anyway, uh, it was very different for the, for the FLDS. Yeah, you kind of feared the law more than what you feared, like, other people because the other people, like you said, there was such a separation. Right. You might go grocery shopping with them, but you don't have to talk or interact or do anything like that or very limited. You might work with them, but you're not really worried about 
them separating your family, right? So it was only the law versus your community as a whole. Right. And a lot of people ask, why are the FLDS so shy or quiet or ignore other people in that? And it really comes down to the fact that they're told not to really interact with other people in, in a way of keeping information within the FLDS keeping that information in the FLDS instead of letting it get out to the world. And so they're not really supposed to be that friendly and, and talk openly with other people. So that might be why you run across some in a store or something and they kind of just keep to themselves and walk away or something and instead of being friendly. But it's I don't think that's them personally trying to be rude or mean. They're just trying to do what they're told and keep to themselves and, and not be so openly discussing the the matters of the FLDS. Yeah, and it's probably a little bit of both ways, right? Like they don't want their information being spread in the regular communities mm -hmm. and they also don't want any bad influences from the regular communities coming into the FLDS. Right. Or letting people think, oh, well, you can be happy out here or this is like that or bringing any of that worldliness into the community. So it's trying to create this barrier, basically. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I don't, I mean, I don't know. It's just so interesting. Such a unique way to grow up. I remember I probably would have been, I don't know, 15 at the time. I was out on a job site and some, the homeowner, because we would do construction outside of the FLDS community. And so we were always out there doing work and that's how we would make the money and bring it back to the community. But we were, we would work with other FLDS people and then we would kind of keep to ourselves. We would show up, we'd get the work done, we would go back and uh, that would be that. And there was this one moment where we were doing a remodel job on someone's home and the homeowner walked out and started trying to be friendly and talking to us and all of that and we didn't have much to say and of course he asked me, how old are you, right? And I'm, I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, I can't say I'm under age, so I actually lied and said I was 18 and I feel like that was something I had to do because I didn't want to be caught being working under age. And I looked like I was an 18-year-old at the time. So anyway, and then he, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, well, I remember when I was 18, you know, uh, when I was 18, I just, I was fascinated by girls. And I, and he started, started talking about all the, his girlfriends and things, <laughs> which was a huge no-no in the FLDS. We weren't allowed to have girlfriends or even consider liking another girl because all of the marriages were arranged. And it was those kinds of things that my older brothers would overhear and be like, whoa, 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 you can't be hearing these things and talking about these things with the outside world because it might get ideas in your head. We don't want you thinking you can have a girlfriend. Right, so those are some of the things, just as an example, that would keep us from being allowed to talk to the outside world. Yeah, that's a funny story. <laughs> oh man. So the oh go ahead. Nope, that you're good. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so the Browns are obviously in a lot of fear. They keep talking about, you know, needing they kind of take these little family trips and things to kind of get away from the situation and and take a breath basically. And one of the ones that they do is they go to was it Wyoming mm -hmm. to go to Cody's family's ranch. And that was interesting in so many different ways. One, it's fun to just see them all having a good time, you know, helping grandparents and stuff. But we got to hear a little bit more about Cody's background and Cody's parents' background with polygamy because Cody was raised mainstream LDS. And he said that it was while he was on his LDS mission that he came back and his parents had decided to join, I don't want to say like join, but have faith in polygamy. 
and have belief in polygamy. I don't know, do you think they, when they say join the faith, I think that's what they mean by joining the, the AUB, joining that branch. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like with fundamental Mormonism, you don't even necessarily have to subscribe to a specific branch or church in order to believe in pra practicing polygamy. Right. So it's kind of hard to tell like, okay, did they join the AUB or did they just shift their beliefs into believing in the law of polygamy? But that would be a crazy, crazy shock. So growing up LDS, Obviously, polygamy is a piece of our history. All the polygamists are like our cousins. And I always grew up just being like, oh, well, you know, they just aren't following what the current prophet says or the true prophet is saying, but they're doing the best they can. And we share all the same fundamental doctrinal beliefs. And so I always still like had respect for the polygamists because I was like, oh, they're just doing what they were taught, what we were all taught. But I can't imagine, we are constantly as LDS, like you said earlier, we're constantly like, no, that's them. We don't do that anymore. You know, people, oh, you're Mormon. How many wives do you have? We don't do that anymore. We're not polygamous. We're not polygamous. We're not polygamous. We are constantly saying that. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine, like on a mission, how often were you defending how we aren't polygamous? Yeah. So for those of you that don't know at this point, I after I left the FLDS church, it's a long story and a lot of information here, but I ended up joining the mainstream LDS church and serving a mission. Spent two years in Chile, so had a great uh, time down there and met a lot of wonderful people. That's a very summed up version. <laughs> so anyway, uh, during that time, for multiple reasons, but one of them was that I was raised in polygamy. Another one was just the simple fact that I was a member of the LDS church. People would ask me all the time about polygamy. Everyone wanted to know about polygamy. Uh, people that were no longer, or people that were never associated with the church and people that were currently members of the church, they all had questions about polygamy. And so I spent two years defending why the mainstream LDS church no longer practices polygamy. You're right, that was like a huge part of my mission. So, and I imagine that no matter where you are, in the states or out of the states for those that are familiar at all with the LDS church they probably have questions about polygamy for all yeah. the missionaries and so I imagine Cody was out there teaching people about the fact that why the church no longer practices polygamy and then to come home where I'm sure maybe he read a letter while he was on his mission about the faith changing with his parents but just getting that information or getting that message that, hey, we now believe in polygamy, whoa, that would have been such a big, mind-blowing, earth-shattering, crazy message to receive. I do have to wonder if there were any hints leading up to it. I will say, while it's, so, it's such a tricky thing, because while we're constantly told all these reasons why the mainstream LDS church is so separate from the FLDS and why it's so important that we don't practice polygamy anymore, at the same time, if you are a very faithful Latter-day Saint, you do have a testimony of polygamy in the next life. You have to. You have to have a testimony of Joseph Smith's polygamy in order to be a faithful Latter-day Saint. And so you have this like weird, like opposing faith within your faith. And so at the same time that it's hard to imagine and it would be such a huge shock, at the same time, if his mom was a really devout Latter-day Saint and went and was praying and pondering DNC 132 and was like reading the revelations from Joseph Smith himself and felt inspired that like, you know what? No, Joseph Smith really received this from God 
and I just don't believe the prophet who said it was supposed to stop or they investigated around that particular prophet. Really, the faith break would be about that prophet, about Wilford Woodruff, about the situation and why the polygamy stopped. That's more of it rather than this, I don't believe in polygamy and now I do. It's like all LDS people still have faith in polygamy. It is just that it's no longer this season or this time. So the switch is so close that it's, I don't want to say it's not still a hard one, but I can see where people can go and search and find the answer that they still should be practicing polygamy. Right. It's there. It's in our doctrine. It's in our fundamentals. And so making that switch when he said he came home and then he talked to his mother and then basically she convinced him that, okay, that is the right lifestyle. I can also see you can defend that lifestyle within church doctrine. So it doesn't, it's not as separate as what we try to make it sound like most of the time. It's more like right here. And you just have to, mainly it's the belief in the prophets that are going to be that switch. Yeah, no, it's true. And for me, it's not so hard to wrap my head around because I was raised and taught that polygamy is a, is doctrinal. It's it's something you have to live in order to, in order to return to God. This is the way God lives. All these different things. That's the way I was raised. So it's not so hard for me to understand where people are coming from. But it seems like the mainstream LDS church is, as I talk to members uh, and just in conversation, it seems like. A lot, if not most members now, don't have a faith in polygamy. Yeah, which is, well, I don't, I don't know. I guess I would have to ask. And if you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and want to leave your comment below of whether or not you do believe that the fundamentals of polygamy taught by Joseph Smith are true or not, and you're willing to share that, I would be interested. Because at the same time, you converting, did you feel like you had to give up your faith in polygamy? To join the LDS, or did you feel like you had to change your faith in the prophet? Well, change your faith in the prophet. To be to be blunt and short. Because you didn't have to stop believing that Joseph Smith was a polygamist. Right. But it's different though. If because if you're coming from polygamy, you're going to look for those clues that, well, I believe in polygamy my whole life. So I'm gonna look for those clues that even though I'm transitioning to a different prophet, which was a very <laughs> big and difficult step for me to take. A long, long story there as well. But I was looking for those clues that, oh, well, even though I'm tr- switching my belief to a different prophet, they still, in a way, believe in what I was raised with, the importance of polygamy, right? So I was looking for that. I needed that. Yeah. Whereas if you're coming from the mainstream Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and switching to the belief of polygamy has to be here and now, I don't know. I, it, ah, I, I feel like it would be quite the transition. Yes. It, I mean, yes, obviously it's going to be a big transition in life, but within yeah. faith, I can see why people do switch. So right. that yeah. was crazy. It was also, I don't know if that was crazier to hear like that. That story is pretty interesting on its own but then the fact that Janelle's mom married married Cody's dad and then a couple months later he married Janelle so I'm like you guys were like half siblings or step you were step siblings before you got married but before Janelle was Cody's sister-in-law so a sister-in-law turned sister turned wife that's just a lot you ever heard the song I'm my own grandpa (laughs) I feel like this is a 
Cody becoming his own grandpa. <laughs> yeah, it's very his own something. In, yeah, interesting that. Oh yeah, that that connection. And I believe there is even more connections that we're going to learn about that some of you have shared with us. So it's interesting to see, but not that uncommon throughout the fundamentalists, especially polygamous groups. Yeah, where, well, they are small groups, so there's a lot of interweaving marriage. I mean, that's not even withstanding the Kingstons who believe in like bloodline purity, right? So then that's right. like way other level, but the rest of the polygamous groups that don't believe in that, there still is only so many to choose from at the beginning, so right, there's right. a lot of connections. And even if you're having lots of children, you know, there's still so many relationships and connections within family, blood-related, even if it's, you know, a couple cousins down the road, there's just a lot of connections within those groups. Or Warren Jeff's marrying his own stepmoms. And that is also, yeah. He becomes his own dad? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. all sorts of weirdness, we, but... <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely people that take it to the extreme, definitely, and that yeah. would be Warren for you. But it did make me sad a little bit for Cody's mom when she was talking about the fact, she's like, yeah, I took care of the kids, and she took care of Wynn, and we were like, oh, we all know what that means. Yeah. And I was like, that, they talked about how they did not get along at first, and the, how hard it was, and it just made my heart feel so sad, because... Here's this woman. He talked. Cody talked about the fact that it was his mom basically dragging her husband into polygamy because of her faith and her beliefs. And I'm like, man, to feel so strongly, oh, this is what it's supposed to be. And then, but if you've been in a monogamous relationship, I mean, Cody, to go on a mission, he would have had to be 19 years old, right? So they've been married for probably at least 20 years. And to then start sharing your husband and go through those jealousies and all the things that all the other polygamous women even within the Brown family, they all knew what they were signing up for. And yeah. there's still jealousy, huge jealousy issues, right? And they all knew. And that's what they like wanted right from the very beginning. To be 20 years into a marriage, change your faith, and then get into it, I can only imagine. And my heart was just so sad for her. I was like, I'm glad that they're happier now and worked it out. But that's just, I don't know, that yeah. I feel so sad for. It's very, it's very interesting and it's, the whole jealousy thing, I mean, how could a human not be jealous, right? Mm -hmm. I found it interesting that the wives, I forget which ones, Janelle, Christine, Mary, or Robin, one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them were talking about the fact that it's almost easier when Cody's not around. Because they can have a close, good relationship with each other as sister wives oh, yeah. when he's not around. Because they don't have to think about who's getting more attention. Right? So that was an interesting thought. And as I look back, my father was gone a lot. He was always working, busy. He had high callings in the church. He was the mayor of the city. He had a lot of responsibilities. He was gone a lot. Maybe that's why I didn't see a lot of jealousy around the house. Not saying he wasn't there for scripture study and family home evenings and that things. He tried to be there as much as he could, but because of his callings and his work, he was gone a lot. So maybe that's... Maybe that was helpful. Maybe that was helpful, right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting when Christine and her kids go on a trip alone, like we see Janelle goes on a trip alone, and Cody really does seem like he tries to make separate time for each wife, and mm -hmm. at least in season two, and with Christine goes, she talks about the fact, too, that she was the new... She's been the newest wife for 16 years at this point, 
And even she said, you know, whenever people would be like, oh, a new wife came into the family and it was so hard and I was so jealous. And she goes, I just always thought that was ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Like we live polygamy and it's ridiculous for you to get so jealous. And she goes, until it happened to me. And then she had so much jealousy and was having such a hard time that she needed that time with Cody. And at that point, she even, they both said like, you know, we've had a couple hard years, but our marriage has been really, really good and 16 years of marriage and obviously in the newest season knowing where it ends up is just kind of heartbreaking because it doesn't sound like it was always that way right mm -hmm. like we're seeing here in season two okay this was a hard period i can only imagine it seems like all of them it was almost harder the courtship of robin than her being part of the family it's like it was the watching him fall in love and date and all the time spent with somebody who wasn't actually his wife right. was the harder part but yeah, this is, can't help the jealousy. Exactly. And this is something that Melissa was bringing up, which she had a very good point. Good job. Thank you. Very good point. I don't know what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that. <laughs> so the FLDS church, they didn't get the, the, the men did not get to choose their wives. And I feel that that would, like Melissa said, would almost be easier for the other wives because this man didn't get to go find another wife. Or, the, or fall in love. Or fall in love or choose this person that he wants to be with. The church would just call and say, hey, it was almost like a worthiness status in the FLDS. So the other wives were kind of proud of their man if he got another wife because the, the prophet would call and say, you, you were found worthy. This woman is to be your wife. Yada, yada, yada. The man had no say in the matter. So that would almost make it easier for the other wives, I would think. Yeah, 100%. I mean, in my mind, if somebody's being assigned and brought in, yeah, you might watch your husband try to then grow love for that person, but him doing that is like fulfilling a calling. Like he's supposed to be a good husband to any wife that is assigned to him, right? So mm -hmm. that just means he's a better priesthood holder. He's a better husband because he's trying so hard to make that wife feel welcome. So not that there wouldn't be any jealousy there, but it's like your husband's getting a new assignment and if he's a good husband to her, then that just means he's a better husband overall. Versus this idea of falling in love, my husband needs to go fall in love with somebody new. Right. How could you not feel like you're not enough? And that's what Christine says, right? Like, I felt like I'm not enough. Like, our family and the wives that you have isn't enough. If you need to go find, you need to search out, you need to fall in love with somebody else. And so, yeah, I totally think it would be easier that way around. Although, obviously, I'm not a proponent for it at all because there's no way that I would yeah. want any of that. <laughs> I would not want to be in a polygamous relationship. Yeah, I can see that though. Like to Christine's point, if you believe, and her parents, her family for generations at this point, they've practiced and believed in polygamy. So I can see why she would believe in polygamy. But I can also see why it would be so much easier to be uh, the second or third wife coming in to the family because he already has his family and now he's choosing you. So you feel special. You are you are chosen by him. He You're the wants latest you. and greatest. He, yeah, and and in their situation, interestingly as well, the the to be wife chooses the husband or the family she wants to be a part of. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more mutual too. But either way, coming in, I feel would be a lot less difficult as far as the jealousy stuff is concerned. So I can see why Christine thought, oh, this isn't that big of a deal. No big deal until Robin came around. Yeah, and then it was a big deal. Yeah. Anyway, they talk about the fact that they think right now in season two, like every child thinks that their mom is the favorite, which Obviously, they're doing. Right? Yeah, I was going to ask, <laughs> did you think that your mother was the favorite? I did. I did. I feel like my father tried hard to 
spread love and attention the best he could, at least to the eye of a teenager boy in the family. But uh, I always assumed that my mother was the favorite. And I think that's probably pretty common among the different siblings. I think that We didn't talk about it. I never went to one of my brothers and said, ha, my mother's the favorite. <laughs> that was never something I did, but I, I almost am certain that every sibling had that feeling. I think, though, that's a testament to your father, though. I think they're obviously, because in these later seasons, we know that that's not the feeling anymore, right, between the children. So mm -hmm. I think that's a testament to when the father is in a polygamous relationship, is doing a good job separating yeah. his time, attention, and love throughout all the different wives. It's going to make those children feel secure that their parents are. So yeah. just to remind you all that that's the vibe in season two, in case you all have forgotten because it's been so long yeah. that there was a time when uh, Cody was... Trying. Try. <laughs> <laughs> he actually cared. For all of you watching season 18 now, oh man. Um, it's almost it's almost frustrating going back and watching the season two, for example, where so we're so hopeful for this family to be able to, you know, have a good life and the kids to be in a happy home and everything. And then it's almost frustrating to know what's to come, right? Because you want to be so hopeful, but then in the back of your mind, you know how it all ends and it's just it's very sad yeah they talk about the kids like how people all the time would ask them about like hey this isn't the kids fault like they're stuck in this situation and I thought Janelle had a really good point when she's like of course we're raising our kids according to our faith because that's what every single person does mm -hmm. and I think that's important to remember too that like when there isn't cases of abuse or neglect right like Sam was raised in a happy home it is very unique it is very different right than what most other people do but being raised in the beliefs of your parents is how every single child is raised yeah and i wouldn't i wouldn't want it in any other way i would have i would have felt less loved if my parents had believed a certain way and didn't want to share it with me because then i would feel like they didn't care about me if this is so important to you i want it too right that's that's a way that's the way a young child is going to feel they want i mean my parents were my heroes growing up, right? And I wanted what they had. And if they believed in it so strongly, you better believe I wanted it too. It also taught me to stand up and be strong and be firm and stand up for what you believe in, right? And I feel like that was a good quality. Even though I don't believe in that faith anymore, it still, I feel, is a good quality for me to have to be able to stand up and say yay or nay if I disagree or agree with something. Yeah, 100%. On that same note, just of their faith, this whole season, you really see how much faith they, how much faith they have in their religion and yeah. in their belief system. You know, in season eighteen, you could already just see a lot of hints at the their spiritual journey mm -hmm. and kind of where it ended. And I'm excited to see like how it goes throughout all of these different seasons. But in season two. I mean, they're all very faithful. They talk about things being prayer, you know, prayers being answered, signs from God, talking about things being led, inspiration. They, the way they speak is very much um, very faith-promoting. And you just see that. And as well as I was seeing things like around their home, you know, you see pictures of Jesus Christ. You see pictures of Joseph Smith, who mm -hmm. is the very first uh, Mormon prophet. And I even saw hung up. I, I actually paused. I was like, babe, do you see that? A family. I was up looking at the screen. Is that what I think it, <laughs> it is? It really was. So I paused. But um, on one of their walls, they had 
the family a proclamation to the world, which is a proclamation that was written by my childhood LDS prophet, Gordon B. Hinckley, and his counselors. And it goes over the roles of people in the family and was this huge thing in the 90s, um, proclaiming what a family is and what it's meant to be, an eternal type thing. And even, I think the LDS General Conference just barely this last October, like doubled down on that, like that the proclamation yeah, continues to stand, even while society changes the way that it views families, that stands. And so I thought it was interesting that the Browns had that because that's not from a fundamental prophet, that's from a current a LDS prophet, modern, yeah. a modern prophet. But the fact that Janelle and Cody were both raised Mainstream LDS, I can see where they would still hold true to those values and probably look at those, and I'm sure their values align with it, and that's why it's hung up. But I did think that that was interesting. Do you recall, does it say anything in the family proclamation to the world about one wife? I thought it did. We have one. I could go grab it. But... Because I, if it does, why would they have it in their house? Because you're right, Cody and Janelle both came from mainstream uh, LDS church so if they agreed with what it said I can see that they would think oh this is very good information this is what we should abide by unless it talks about monogamy monogamy so I pulled it up and it does not specifically say monogamy it says uh, we further declare that God has commanded that sacred powers of procreation are to be employed only between man and woman lawfully wedded as husband and wife uh, okay so it does not talk about so they can monogamy. believe in it Yes, I mean, obviously you can't be lawfully wedded to a multiple, but in their minds, they're spiritually wedded, which is more important, so they're probably okay. But, that's yes, true. it was very interesting that, that I saw that. I was like, wait a minute, that's from that's from the way I grew up. <laughs> so Good eye, by the way. I didn't even notice it, and all of a sudden the screen was paused, and we were wondering what was going on. But, but yeah, so it's, I'm guessing that Janelle or Cody or both brought it from their upbringing and thought that this was something we want to abide abide by and, and live by. It definitely has very fundamental beliefs, for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, when we got married, how many of those did we get as It was a very common gift for... When you get married <laughs> in an LDS temple, I want to say we probably received like four or five different, like the same proclamation, but like in different frames or different places. So. We had quite a few of them. Yeah. So very important to those that are being married within this fundamental belief, also mainstream. You know, it's very, I didn't realize it. I never grew up with one in my house, but I guess if you come from that, maybe it's something that you would just want to stick with. I've even seen it vinyled on people's walls. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. Pieces of it vinyled on. If any people have been into, Homes in Utah, there's a lot. There's kind of a joke about there being like vinyl stuff everywhere. Oh, you that's just put true. vinyl on the wall we for used decorations. To have it. When we lived in Utah, we used to have vinyl stuff on our wall too. Yeah, I don't know if it's just a Utah thing. Let me know in the comments if that's an everywhere <laughs> thing. Um, I think vinyl is pretty popular, but it was like super, super popular. And a lot of times it was scripture stuff or like return with honor. You know, choose the right. Yeah. Lots of, yeah, lots of church stuff. But I've even seen the proclamation be vinyl on people's huh. walls before. So very important that, yeah. within Mormonism. Anyway, but they obviously have a lot of faith in their religion. I will say watching them go to Las Vegas, mm -hmm. there was, I was like, one, we live in Las Vegas. So there's a huge cultural shift in Vegas from Utah. Especially Northern Utah, it's, where they're coming from. Yeah, even more than Southern Utah. So the culture shift I don't know if they really realized that, you know, they all like vacationing in Vegas, but living in Vegas is 
a different experience mostly because in Utah it's not very diverse there's not a lot of other cultures Mormonism is the culture really within right. Utah and that is not the case even though there's a lot of LDS people here there really is and you know Cody mentions there's a lot of Christians here as well which is true but you have a lot of different churches a lot of different beliefs and a lot of diversity in cultures as well oh, which yeah. we like yeah <laughs> We but do. we do because it's something different than what we grew up with. We really enjoy that. But it is a shock, I think, for some people when they come down. And I think for the Browns, you could tell they were like, oh, "Okay, this is going to be different than what we expected." And the different influences in school and diversity of what their kids are going to be around, whether it's modesty-wise, language-wise, like just a lot of different things. I found I found it interesting that they said this is going. They were talking about one of the daughters uh -huh. and how she was starting to dress uh, immodestly because she was frustrated about something and that was the way she expresses her feelings. Uh -huh. And then they said, yeah, in Vegas it's going to be hard because there's so many influences influences of people dressing immodestly. And then it showed a few clips of people on the strip. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's whoa. not where people, when you live here, you're not hanging out on the strip. Right. I'm not saying they will never go there, but I just found it interesting that that's where they chose to pick the pictures of people dressed that way because that's that's where the tourists are, and we might go down for a show or something on occasion, Date nights, but it's but... very rare, especially for our children to ever be there. Yeah, we've lived here like four and a half years, and I think mm -hmm. we've taken our kids down there to very specific things, like to see the life-size gingerbread house at the Aria or things like that, mm -hmm. right? Like family events, I think twice. In four and a half years have right. we ever taken the kids down there it's for very specific family friendly events and so yeah it's funny the idea of like somehow the strip is going to be influencing your children's choices and i behavior. mean unless they chose to go down there a lot I, <laughs> yeah I don't know. they're just Maybe. bringing the crew on down all the time <laughs> all but, 16 children <laughs> yeah i'm not surprised that they could find a house that would suit those needs because in vegas the families also just aren't as large you know finding houses that even have more than four bedrooms is can be super hard here. Well, and there can be really large houses here in Las Vegas, but they're not going to have a lot of bedrooms. They're yeah. going to have huge living areas and spaces, but not not the bedrooms that they need. They need a hotel style house. That's what they should have done. They should have went and purchased <laughs> a small motel or hotel and turned that into their home. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> but I will say the only thing I can give kind of props to Vegas for that I think they're right and the Browns assuming this, is that people are going to be more tolerant because you do see such diversity here in Las Vegas that I do think overall people are more tolerant to different ways of life and mm -hmm. different viewpoints and all of that. So right. I think that way they're going to be in a good place. Yeah. But I am also curious to see the journey of them being somewhere that is so different than Utah and the fact that they were all raised in LDS families or fundamental Mormon families even more to come to the big city is going to yeah. be. And leading up to them coming to Las Vegas, Cody, Robin, and Mary came down looking for houses to begin with. They found some on the same cul-de-sac. They thought that that would be perfect. That fell through. fell through. They weren't able to get that. But even before that, their reasoning for wanting to move to Vegas is for the persecution. And the, and the show made it seem like multiple times that 
They're, like they would show a clip of like a policeman showing up or sirens rushing down the road as they were trying to quickly close the trailer doors and things like that. It was never after them. And I mean, yes, there was a there was an investigation in the family, but personally, I think that that was more the government saying, "Hey, if you're going to come out publicly and say you're doing something illegal, we're going to look into you." But never did they actually show up and knock on their door. No. So, I think the show tried to make it seem a little more dramatic than it actually was. Yeah. No, definitely. It was definitely dramatized. And, again, if there's no secondary crimes going on, yes, they feel like maybe that the law might think, oh, that's a slap in the face for, for you to say to the entire world that you're committing a felony. Okay, we need to do something about that. But if there's no secondary abuse or things like that, normally the law in Utah is going to leave you alone for just practicing right. polygamy. So. And I'm not saying that never could he have ever ended up in prison. I don't know for sure what they would have done had they not left the state. But it definitely didn't... <laughs> the show made it seem a lot more crazy and intense than it actually like was. Like they were escaping somehow. Right. Like they needed to escape right. Utah and make mm -hmm. it to Vegas. You know, even coming down without having a house and stuff. Obviously they felt that pressure, but I am curious... Yeah. what the real level of threat was there, but I guess we'll probably never know, which is fine. Yeah. Um, them ending up in separate houses, huge. Huge. I'm like, oh, this is the beginning of the uh, end. The end. Right. Even though this is only season two, right? And there's like 16 seasons in between where we are right now, so I'm like, there's a lot to go, but already at the end, Christine and Mary were both saying that they enjoy having their own space, and especially for Christine to say that, I was like, ooh, that is a red flag because she's talked about this whole, all the other times she wants to have easy access to all the kids because she's a stay-at-home mom for all the kids, all the kids, right. all the kids come to her. And when she said, oh, no, I've been really liking just having my own kids and getting to do prayers with them and being able to do all these things and not feeling overwhelmed, I was like, oh, okay, the foreshadowing of what's to come. Right. And... Yeah, that's a, it's a big sign when the, and I, for some reason, expected them to all end up like on the same, in the same cul-de-sac for some reason in my head. And maybe they do down the road. I don't know for sure, but they're, they're not all super close either. I mean, semi-close, but not like within a quick couple steps down the road walking distance. So no, there's going to be that separation separate. between the kids right away. And it's going to be more difficult for Cody to be able to be at all the homes at the same time as he was. Even in northern Utah, there was only two homes to go between. And a lot of times, if there was a big family function going on, Robin and her kids would just come over to the big house and they were all together as one family. But it's definitely seeming to be, I don't know, especially when the wives say they enjoy it. That's not a good sign. Yeah, and financially, how they're making that happen, because they keep talking about everything being so tight, being so tight. I'm guessing the show gave them enough money to do that. It was really sad to see Mary be talked about, like, well, she shouldn't be having such a big house because she only has one kid. So linking, like, her infertility to, mm -hmm. like, her worthiness as a wife or her being allowed to have nice things or a nice home as a wife, no matter how many kids you have, you want to have that with your husband. Like, you want to have a nice home. And right. so to feel like you should get less than because of something you can't control was super, super sad. All the other wives got it. They couldn't believe Cody couldn't get it, like understand. Um, but yeah, I don't know how this is going to work with 
the separation. And poor Mariah, too. Like, she's used to having her siblings around. Right. And then she goes to where now she's a mile away from the rest of them, and it's just her and her mom. So she basically goes from this huge family of, like, 21 people around all the time to a single mom. Of right. One. Very, very difficult. And that's the thing, too, is it's not just the husband and wives. It's affecting the kids a lot, too. And that's, that's where you have to really consider, okay, is this lifestyle, is this a good option? considering all the stuff they're putting their family through. And many would answer with yes, because you know, you can't you can't control the way that the persecutions are going to come against God's work and his will and, and doing what he wants, right? That's the way I was raised. And so we were told that, you know, it's it's what's best for the kids regardless. But from the outside looking in now, you have to wonder, hmm Right? Is this was actually, it, it? it wasn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say too, just along that note is the kids, not only like Mariah was a really good example of the fact that she was very involved with the church specifically, not just polygamous beliefs, but they did go to a specific church, a, spe a specific denomination, right? Of fundamental mm -hmm. Mormonism. And in Las Vegas, there are a million churches and the AB is not one of them. Right. And so they were giving up their entire like church community as well, but particularly for Mariah or for the kids that were super active and involved in their church youth group. Being raised LDS, I can tell you like my church youth group and being with the youth of the church was huge, a huge part of your life. Like so, so big because even within the LDS, like we had church for three hours. We had mutual where I'd go to young women's for at least an hour during the week, like on Tuesdays. I had seminary through high school. So I had an hour class, you know, every single day in high school that I'd get released to go do religion classes. We'd have service projects on the weekend. We'd have girls camp. We'd have this. It was such a huge part of my life. I spent hours and hours and hours and hours a week with these girls and with my youth leaders that taking that away and putting kids in an environment where they can't replace it. If you move within Mormonism, like you go to your ward here in Las Vegas, there yeah. are lots of LDS wards and you can get that sense of community and pick that right back up with a new group of people who believe the same thing you do. And in Vegas, the Browns are not going to be able to make that happen. And so I saw the beginning of the end of like not only their family being separated, but them being separated from their faith, which is obvious that they have in season two. And I think both are going to be detrimental to both aspects. Right. And them coming out public was to show the world that, hey, we're not going to hide. And to, they said, hopefully this will give encouragement to other polygamists to stand up for what they believe and, and allow them to be more public. And it did the exact opposite. It showed the world that if you stand up for what you believe and go public about polygamy in Utah you're going to be running from the law and you're going to be terrified and you're going to have to be away from your churches and from your friends and all of those things. So in the end, it taught the world, if you're polygamous, <laughs> just, just keep it under the rug because, right? Yeah, I that's mean, true. Un unfortunately for them and that community, it did not go well. Yeah. But we will be continuing to watch more and more seasons. Um, hopefully, we can do a season a week mm -hmm. and then mix it in with a lot of our other content. But if you want to hear more about what it was like for Sam to be raised in polygamy or our thoughts on sister wives and comparison of what it was like for Sam to be raised in polygamy versus the Browns in polygamy, please like and subscribe. Thank you all so much for being here. Yes. Thank you all so much. We've enjoyed 
all of your comments and support as we have reviewed the fresh eyes on Sister Wives with you and uh, we really do appreciate it and look forward to talking to you soon. Talk to y'all soon.